On this week's episode, we get a machine gun ho-ho-ho with Die Hard. Did shoe sales spike after this movie came out? Can we get an Argyle spinoff? And is Hans Gruber the 99%? Find out now. You're listening to our Christmas 2021 episode of 24 Flames Per Second. And yippee kayak, other buckets. Welcome to 24 Flames Per Seconds, the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. As always, I'm your host, Robert Bohorkas, and welcome to our, uh, our holiday Christmas episode, everybody. Um, and I can't believe it took us five seasons to get to this one, because it's the one that all the little boys and girls like to say is a Christmas movie every year and be insistent upon it. But yeah, everybody, welcome to our Die Hard episode. Um, that we're very happy to be. We've got a good panel here today together to uh, to talk about it. Um, and so, yeah, I hope you all are ready for some some good '80s Christmas action. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone, welcome uh, to the show. Um, I think we'll uh, start with uh, getting our <clears throat> everybody introduced here. Now we'll start with the uh, right to the left of me, the Holly to my Ellis, Chris Beverhambrick. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. You're gonna share some of that coke, or no? Wait. What do you what? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Um. What? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, it's good good to have you here. Let's see. Um, did you watch the movie this week? I actually didn't. I forgot to ask that on the Thanksgiving episode. I just realized <laughs> the one episode in the history of the show. I forgot to wow. ask. Wow. Anyways, no, uh, I actually didn't because I know that I will be. I don't want to say forced to watch it, but I know mm-hmm. it will be on the menu when I go visit my parents. Okay. Uh, for the holidays, because so, you know yeah. one of our things is to watch all the all the. Um, Diehards. No, actually, all of the Christmas movies, and 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 re- regardless of whether it's a Christmas movie, it is nice to break up. The uh, I, I love Miracle on 34th Street. Right. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I love all that stuff. But it's nice to have some, you know, Subversion. shoot them up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like bloody action in sure. to, to break it up a little bit. So yeah. yeah. A real. But I've seen it enough times that I feel I can hold down the co-hosting chair. Die Hard's kind of like this is just a thought I'm having. Everyone, feel free to take it or leave it. Die Hard's kind of like a Christmas movie terrorist itself the movie yes <laughs> yeah it's just gonna come in there is and be like of <laughs> yes because it steals yes. your heart i think the that's Christmas right movie yakatomi genre <laughs> plaza <laughs> absolutely um well what what do you what do you know about uh yeah. Die Hard? actually this was kind of a rabbit hole for me because as many mm-hmm. times as i've seen the movie i wasn't aware of some of the uh history um so I did not know that, for example, John McTiernan, who mm-hmm. uh, directed it and also directed um, Last Action Hero and yeah. Predator and Hunt for Red October, also went to prison Whoa. Um, <laughs> for uh, hiring a private investigator to illegally wiretap the producer of Rollerball because he Whoa. was trying to get dirt on, uh, <laughs> on, on the, the studio um, because he, he was in dispute with how that movie was going. So Whoa. Um, that's probably a whole other movie in itself. Like, I, that's wild. I don't know a lot of directors who've gone to prison gone for to like jail. wiretapping their co-workers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, I also love that uh, because this was um, based on the novel and because the novel 
was a sequel to another movie called mm-hmm. The Detective. Oh. Contractually, they had to offer the part of John McClane to 70-year-old Frank Sinatra. Nice. Who turned it down. He was like, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but, and, and, and then I also want to add that because um, I think most of us listening to this and on the show probably grew up with Bruce Willis being who Bruce, Bruce Willis is now, um, we probably don't remember that uh, he was kind of a gamble as an action right. star. Mm-hmm. Um, he really was known for like comedies, um, specifically Moonlighting, but yeah. other stuff like that. And um, it was, <coughs> pardon, he... Uh, he really wasn't didn't have this this action star cred at the time, yeah, uh, which is interesting. Kind of like Michael Keaton at the same time. A lot Doing like Michael Keaton. Thing. Yeah, and now you look back and you're like, wait, that guy did comedy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Um, oh, and it's Alan Rickman's film debut. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Gives hope wow. to the rest of us who are in our forties and haven't been in a movie yet. So. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, that's great. That's all great stuff. Um, happy Merry Christmas. Um, and so, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get our roasters and our our whole panel introduced here, um, and we'll start with our roasters, of course, uh, starting with uh, a film and political activist. You can find her on social media at Maddie Von Hoff. Maddie Von Hoff. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. And um, I've only seen Die Hard once, and mm-hmm. only only once, and last year actually. So um, I feel like I'm coming into this with like maybe a fresher opinion but i had a lot of like um opera i knew of some of the controversy is it christmas is it not that was also forced upon me you know Mm -hmm. upon my first watch so um (laughs) yeah i'll be really excited to talk about it more sweet um and also roasting this week educator and filmmaker find her on find her and her dog taco on uh instagram at sam fermi sammy Furman. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. You mm-hmm. know, I'm. I, I haven't seen this movie that many times either. I only saw it for the first time maybe like two years ago. Okay. Um, but you know, I've got a lot to say about it. I'm excited to to dive in. Great. We're excited. We're excited to have everybody dive in. Um, and on the defense this week, uh, actor and dungeon master to the stars. You can find him dungeon mastering. Um, on another part of his show, Save the D8, over at uh, Save the D8 Pod on the social media. Uh, Evan Christopher. Here to defend Christmas once again, Robert. Uh, once again, you are <laughs> our in-house. I'm out to do it. Yes, yeah. I am the in-house savior of Christmas. Um, I did watch this movie before coming here, so I have a very fresh mind on it. Today, just before? Uh, yes. Very cool. I want to thank you for doing your part in uh, in battling the war on Christmas. <laughs> yep. so, thank yep. you for, for being here and doing that. I'm here for all the holidays. Yeah. Fox News. That's right. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's great to have you here. Thanks for, once again, uh, being the reason for the season. Yep, I'm here to save um, it from the Grinches. Yeah. Um, so let's start with the same thing we start with every time. Moving the minute. Uh, give us the full plot synopsis of Die Hard, spoilers and all, and uh, we'll give you 60 seconds and a three count. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. In three, two, one, go. John McClane is an all-around affable guy who is coming to California to visit his kids to spend for Christmas and work things out with his estranged wife who he's divorced from who is having a massive major job at the Akatomi Plaza, practically almost a vice president at that point. And uh, 
He gets there, he tries to patch things up. At the same time, the building is having their massive Christmas party, and guess what? It gets taken over by terrorists. John is able to sneak out, unfortunately, for the terrorists, and he's able to get away before he finds out that they're um, getting around, and he tries to defend um, the tower itself and trying to get out and try to get the cops to come because they have them set up for a certain way, but he's able to actually take out some of them before the criminal mastermind himself, Hans Gruber, is actually, you find out, is a actual a thief and they come to steal $640 million in bearer bonds. And so there's a lot of back and forth for John fighting off the terrorist slash um, bank robbers until eventually at the end when Hans Grimmer finds out who his wife is, holds his wife hostage. And you're right. Damn. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, well, that C4 blew up right in your face. Um, let's see. What's left? Um, okay, so we got he knows his wife. Um, they've got all the hostages on the roof. Yeah. Um, who John gets to go back down and um, lures the F the FBI copter into crashing on the side of the building. Um, and so let's see. Then the roof is blown because of all the C four that was planted there. This was the plan all along for the mm -hmm. terrorists was to blow up the top of the roof. Um, and then it kind of comes down to this kind of vault standoff with um, Hans and John. Um, and they get all backed up against a window, and John has a gun, the gun taped to his back. Mm -hmm. um, and just Wild West standoff. Yep, gives him gives gets Hans, and they all, he falls out the window, and it's a Merry Christmas for everybody. Carl Winslow. Uh, I forget the guy in the limo's name. Argyle. Argyle. Yeah. Also mm -hmm. helps save the day. Great time. Yeah, yeah. It does help save the day. Um, but yeah, everybody, that's a, that's Die Hard. Um, Rip Hans Gruber. Um, and so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll take a quick little break, Evan. Then we'll come back. We'll get your opening statements. Why you're here defending Christmas once again, everybody. <laughs> we will be right back. All right, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the Patreon Corner Update desk of the middle of the show um of course it's, uh, hi i'm robert your friend um but uh yeah let me pull my calendar up here we give you a quick rundown of what we've got over on the patreon um this month and what well, a little snapshot of what you can expect next month if you're uh in on all the fun and games over there um and so yeah this is december christmas um time uh month over on the patreon and so um there's a bunch of we got a bunch of hot takes lined up um I know I'll be I'll be doing one this week for the stuff that's releasing this week, um, which includes. Um, let me flip through these. We've got like oh, Spider-Man No Way Home came out last week. Uh, we got the King's Man and the Matrix Four coming out this week. Macbeth. Um, that I'm pretty hyped on all of these things. Uh, and then I mean I'll probably mention what else. We got some series that are coming. Boba Fett starts next week um, on Disney Plus. Um, and then next week or next month, stuff that we, you can look forward to um, after the new year. The Morbius movie is finally coming out. Scream Five, um, and that's kind of that's kind of all I have um, tagged for now. I think there it's January. It's dumping ground uh, month, so strap in for those hot hot takes. Um, and then at the time we're recording this, I do not know what the drink along is yet for December. So um, yeah, everybody, there will be a fresh one up um, at the beginning at the beginning of December. Um, I don't know, I don't know what it is yet. I also do not know what the flame offs this month are yet. So um, we're just uh, planning ahead for the holidays. But you know, Quasi's cooking up something good for the for the flame off 
episodes that are between this one and Thanksgiving and the one that's right after the New Year. So, um, so yeah, come back, come back for those. Um, and I think that's pretty much everything that I have to say here in this break, everybody. We can get back to um, get back to Die Hard. And, uh, yeah, everyone, hope you're having a good time. And if you want to get in on Patreon, head to patreon.com slash 24flamespod. That's where our extended plays are. It's where everything I was just talking about is. Um, and it helps us uh, support the show. Helps you support the show, and it helps us. That's the right order of those words. Um, but, yeah, everybody, we uh, thank you so much for your support. Let's get back to the show. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to Christmas. Um, and so, yeah, right before the uh, break, uh, ho, 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 the movie plot had a machine gun, and Evan didn't I got rid of the bullets it. on that one. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's get your opening statements. Why are you here defending Die Hard? Well, I'm defending Die Hard because Die Hard is an action movie at the time uh, nobody would have believed in. This is a movie that came out in the late 80s. And if it, you know, we typically think about 80s movies, especially action flicks. We think of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and we think of uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Rambo, Commando, um, Under Siege, which actually was more of a ripoff of Die Hard. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, in this movie, for John McClane, he only kills 10 people. Altogether, which is typically within 80s action movies, the starting body count of the first act. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, is that this is a movie where it's, you know, the affable family man against the sense of corporate greed. You have John McClane, our hero, who is coming there to really spend time with his family, hopefully work things out with his wife so that way they can have a somewhat normal relationship for their kids. Um, at this Christmas party, not really wanting to be there. Um, just really wanting to spend more time and work things out with his family. Yeah. Um, compared to all of the other characters who we have set there, aside from Reginald Van Johnson, who uh, is there for money, um, especially with Ellis and uh, all the terrorists slash bank robbers. And... Hans Gruber, um, all going for this greed goal. So you have the every man, everyday working man, you know, going up against uh, what would consider to be the rich. So this is kind of almost a little bit like an eat the rich kind of movie you could think about nowadays, <laughs> in the kind of sense. And you know, we get to see all kinds of little things that are peppered within the movie for the story that kind of make. Um, the things for John a little bit more difficult like we, in the movie he has his shoes missing for a lot of the time and he runs over broken glass for a part of his stuff um, and we see that he already gets set up in the very beginning of the movie um, when he's just right off the bat he's got, he gets told by some guy on the airplane about doing that and that kind of helps it off because John is not one of these crazy steroid ramped up heroes of the 80s he's just a normal guy he has his flaws, he admits his flaws, and yet he's still able to be the better man, not run out when he could have had the chance, and try to save as many people as he can because it's his job and his duty. Okay. Um, well, in Roasters, why don't we just start with John McClane um, and the rest of the characters? That was a 
the whole cast wanted to be roasted, according to y'all. Yeah, yeah, the whole cast kind of sucks. Uh, particularly <laughs> John McClane. You you painted him as a family man, but really, I don't think he is. He's been away from his family for six months, and he's he's coming for Christmas, but it seems more out of obligation than want, because he's kind of in a piss-poor mood the whole time he's there. Um, and he's not even planning on staying with his family. He's going to stay in Panoma, which is implied to be pretty far away from wherever they're staying. And even though there's a guest room at his wife's house, or why wouldn't you want to stay with your children if you're there for the holidays? Um, and he's just, he's really just addicted to everyone, especially his wife. Like, he doesn't even give her the moment to say, I miss you. She says that, and he's like, well, then you shouldn't have left. Like... As if it's all her fault that they're in the situation they're in, when really she was just, you know, advancing her career and doing good things for their family. Um, I, I just don't get the impression that he's a family man or a good guy at all, honestly. He's just a, literally a dick to every single person in the whole movie. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, again, I can't say for your opinion that your perception could be wrong. I could say, for my <laughs> part, though, that, you know, you have... John, who, in again, in the 80s, we have definitely not really set up a point for men to be vulnerable. Men tend to really eat a lot of their feelings, especially even during to this point. And so you have a man who, and we all have, you know, set for a mindset of the man who is being the breadwinner has to put the stuff on the, put the stuff on the table. You know, he and his wife didn't get along. He's actively, comparably trying to. He doesn't want to stay with his wife in the Panoma house because he feels it would be awkward, comparably for their marital situation that they're in. And so he's going to end up staying in Paloma. Now, sure, he is very standoffish at some points for in a party of people that he has no idea of anybody he's at. Already kind of rec recognizes Ellis as a coke fiend. Doesn't decide to bust them because that would probably ruin the party. But, you know, he decides to go with it. In fact, at the same point, you then have Ellis who then actually goes against John to try to get him to come in. And he tries to save Ellis at the same point. But, you know, Ellis being the kind of person that he is because he wants to advance ahead and try to get himself some kind of bonus off of this, you know, kind of ruins it for you. I mean, yeah, sure, I'll admit, Ellis is a dick. A lot of the terrorists are dicks. You know, uh, Alan They are terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Alan Rickman's a dick, but he's he's also so affable, and you have to love him for that, you know. I guess, though, what lesson does John learn from the events of Die Hard? Because he's already coming back begrudgingly to be there again for his family, and I would argue that sure killing 10 people right to save your wife like it's noble gray everyone's looking for that but it doesn't change anything fundamentally about who he is like the 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 reason that their marriage fell apart was not because she doubted that he could murder people to save her like that's not what happened right it fell apart because like he didn't respect her job like they had like totally different kind of uh, like they were on different wavelengths. They had like different like life views about like how they wanted to live their life. So him coming back and saving her like only shows that like he still has this kind of his same skills that he was willing to use to like save someone he loves. That's great. But like the ending to have it be kind of like, yep, things are going to work out because what she didn't recognize his investment. Like she did know he was invested in her and committed in like that way. But like there's no kind of redeeming moments where you see any sort of like major character change or any kind of reconcili like reconciliation in that way, like a, a mental shift. And like you were even talking about Evan around like um, 
you know, like the, the lesson here is kind of like, well, it's eat the rich. It's like, you know, it's the everyday family man going against capitalism. It's like, well, that kind of falls apart when like the terrorists are bad. So they're trying to steal the money, but it's her her company that she's going to be like a vice president of. Oh, yeah, so no, like, Holly works for a terrible company. So, but like, yeah, <laughs> but then that's clearly not like the message because it's not like she ended like, oh, I'm so glad those terrorists stole our, like, if anything, he's defending the capitalist wealth, like from evil terrorists, they're evil and they're going to do evil things with it. But like, it's, it's just kind of very confusing watching this movie, what the message is. Other than that, it's a very kind of, you know, 80s trope where, you know, it's like, I don't know, like that women should, women who make decisions to leave men should go back to them if they fight enough people for her. And I just like have a problem with that being the message of like a marriage. And to go off of that, I feel like I I didn't get the impression he was killing these terrorists or, or defending anyone to help his wife. I think it was to like boost his ego and be like, yeah, I, that's, that's who I am. I'm a manly man. Like I can fight these people. Like I, I feel like, it just doesn't come off to me as if he's trying to, like, save his wife at all. He doesn't even, like, think to go run and get her or save her in any way. It's like all the hostages are going. He's like, ooh, save myself. Let me get out of here. And then and to, to your point mm-hmm. about her job, I feel like at the end of all of this, I, do you really think he's going to be okay with her going and taking over the company? He's going to be like, if you hadn't have taken this job, this never would have happened. Like, you need to be home with our kids instead of, you know, running a, this corporation or whatever. And I just feel like their their marital problems are not over after this. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're going to have a night of, you know, reunion and it's yeah. going to be a good Christmas. And then he's, it's just not It is a Christmas out. miracle. That <laughs> the end, you know, all it took, you know, yeah. was a terrorist hostage situation. Um, I mean, look, I, again, can't say that there is, a massive message that we get to see of John learning uh, a big lesson here. We can see, though, that I would say I heavily disagree that John does care about his wife because uh, during the scene of when Ellis is with the terrorist talking with him about that, he does make it very complicit with Ellis about why he was brought there in the first place so that way Holly wouldn't get told because it's only till Hans Gruber looks later that he finds out that it's um, Holly is his ex-wife. Um, that was a big part. Also, John doesn't even really know about the vault until I think about midway in the movie. He doesn't even know about the money. His big thing when he first gets started is all about the explosives that they're getting set up up there because he realizes that they're going to start killing everybody, especially during the point when they're all going up there to um, get airlifted off from the helicopter. He's the one that tries to get everybody out there because he knows they're about to explode everybody up there. John is a police officer, and yes, he doesn't follow the rules because his captain keeps telling him, but um, his main thing has always been about working uh, working to save people. And, I mean, I, I can say again, like the Holly coming back to him in that sense, I would have to reference another movie for that from a line from Speed, from when Sandra Bullock talks about high-tense situations tend to have those kinds of things going for you know, romantic love, that kind of deal. But in the same point, I'd have to say, if you watch Die Hard 2, you see that he did make changes and he ended up going to L.A. being there for his wife and family because he wanted to be there and respect his wife for that deal. So, I mean, again, just from watching Die Hard, I can understand that. You watch the sequel, 
I think you'd be I think you'd be a little less harsh on it. But I read the wiki of Die Hard Three, and apparently they decide their differences are too great, and they Ooh. part nevermore to get back together. But I would then so. say this. Sometimes marriages don't work out for everybody, and it's not anybody's fault. You know, they have to realize that it doesn't work out, and they have to split up amicably. And so, when doing that, you save each other a bunch more heartache and being in a marriage that doesn't work, but rot each other out from the inside. The true lesson. Yeah. I, yeah. I just learned that. Yeah. I'd argue a movie where you have to watch three of them to get the real meaning of Christmas, as it were, maybe doesn't do a good enough job selling its point in the. Uh, the first movie. <laughs> I could say, look at Lord of the Rings. It has, that has the one message going through the entire deal. Yeah, Star, Star Wars would like to talk yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, if, if I watch Fellowship, destroy the ring, good always wins, is still the message. But I'm not they confused. never destroy I'm the ring to the third one. I'm not confused in Fellowship, like, gee, I wonder why they're doing this. <laughs> like, I'm pretty clear. <laughs> like... <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. I've also got uh, that we, we just think the movie's a little too long. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is. Like, I feel like there's so much time with him running around, doing his own thing, trying to stop them. Okay. And then the police finally show up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're, like, completely incompetent. Like, literally, they just, there was no reason for them to even be there. They did not help. They made the situation worse in many cases. Um, even just the one scene that stood out to me as the most ridiculous is, um, you know, they they tried to send the people in to break in and didn't work so they send in the car they send in the rv or whatever they call it and it's like this most ridiculous scene where it's like five minutes of the car just driving up to the building just to get stuck on the stairs like it doesn't even make it past the stairs and then it gets blown up like they they were gonna fail even if they didn't have like bombs to blow that car up and it's just it's just ridiculous there's just too much of like the police being like doing nothing and i'm like just let's just end this like why are we still <laughs> trying to figure out how to get into building like it's just a lot yeah i would argue that the movie is so long because it can't really decide what type mm-hmm. of movie it is and so it plays like kind of both like it it plays that like over exaggerated like david versus goliath like he's you know he's uh uh better than you would think any cop would be you know kind of handling this situation like there's so much going on in this movie that like when i watched it for the first time i just couldn't quite like decide what i thought i was going into something that was just going to be like corny over the top and in many ways it was like there was lots of scenes in which i mean him talking to himself, uh, the incompetency of like the police compared to him, which I get they have to do to even make it believable that it came out in the summer, but they chose it to be a Christmas movie, like, or have Christmas themes, like that's quite weird. Um, and, and just like all the, yeah, like just him kind of methodically kind of going through and, and killing the terrorists. But then there'd be kind of weird things like, like the bonds like i don't get in a movie that like it's supposed to be so over the top so like this is like a wild story like overblown literally overblown (laughs) explosion (laughs) story and then they just have scenes that are so bizarre like yeah like what does nakatomi do like why 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 is it bonds like why is it this like really complex like financial system that they're kind of trying to set up and then they literally forget about it like it has no bearing to the movie like what they're trying to take and so i guess like i feel like it's long because there's these explanations that are like overbearing when they could have just kind of stuck to the movie which is like an overblown action movie and so i'm not quite sure what those other 
elements like add to the story. And just to quickly add to that, a lot of like the action scenes are kind of just the same thing over again. It's like John luring them into this empty space in the building just to get to have like a shootout and then he gets away and then he loses into a different room they have a shootout (laughs) and then he gets away and he's in the elevator and he's not it's just it's like okay we get it like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of empty rooms you're gonna have a shootout (laughs) it's a pretty big building (laughs) like i will say that my first time watching this was a drinking game and we had rules and we were pretty darn drunk because the the rules that we had appeared over and over and over again (laughs) sometimes like six or seven times in the same scene like and so it just kind of like i think it could have been an hour shorter is that our consensus yes i think an hour hour shorter would have been great I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was a second villain in here considerably now. I mean, honestly, what was Nakatomi doing with all of that 250, sorry, not 200, 650 million dollars in bearer bonds, especially after 1967's Telecommunication Act, which then definitely would have stopped him from being able to have that. However, I will bring up this point. Um, in this movie, comparably, like we would like to say, as I'm trying to put it, of that typically within action movies, like watching our Rambos or our Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, um, you don't get them really running around dodging. They're just up in front, big-ass gun, killing three to seven guys at a time. John McClane in this movie has to use the elements that he has around them. He consistently gets this, get the shit kicked out of him by several of, of the guys, and is usually either one-on-one or like one-on-two considerably, and he kind of sometimes gets a lucky shot. John is a terrible shot. For most of the time, unless if he's up close and looking at this movie. And he is considerably an idiot that we watch at. At one point, he gets himself a machine gun and he fucking loses it as he's trying to go down an elevator shaft, right? Um, You also have him constantly taunting them. Um, He does talk to himself a lot. He does do a lot of quips. The talking to himself and the quips, like, I know for some people that's kind of like, why would you do that? Why would that be that kind of thing? Well, if I can bring up my own experience, um, I don't like to talk about it a lot. I used to be in the military. I was Mm. deployed. I went through several different high-tense situations very similar to that. And guess what? A lot of things you catch up on is that you use a lot of humor to try to break up that tension because shit gets very scary and you want to try to be able to break up. And two, you will talk to yourself and try to calm (laughs) yourself down because you will be freaking out and there's not going to be anybody to really pat you on the back and tell you everything is okay. You kind of need somebody to kind of get you to chill out. Um, I understand that, um, you know, within people being in those high-tense situations, like some people have never been in that, a lot of people haven't been in those high-tense situations, so it can be seen confusing. Um, but a lot of those times, that shit just kind of comes out as a defense mechanism for most of the point. Me watching that and after experience, like I saw Die Hard before I joined up, and then I saw Die Hard again after, and like doing that reflected back to me of like, I remember that. I'm having just chills right now thinking about back from when it was that kind of thing so I mean again it's a hard concept to get across for those who haven't been in that kind of deal um, having it being a little bit longer I, I I would still have to disagree because again this is a strange action movie in which again you're not having guys constantly getting blown away with body counts of 50 or higher John like John has to sneak around creeping and then like kind of take them out one by one if not like he, he doesn't go in blasting everybody he has to be somewhat stealthy because he knows he's already outnumbered and he isn't 
like the rest of our action heroes who can take on a whole battalion as a one-man army. John, again, just regular, normal cop. And he does get Reginald Van Johnson to kind of be his somewhat confidant during the whole deal. And if we're also going to bring up the police in that, I mean, are the police tactics any different from what they do now? I mean, it really <laughs> is like kind of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of deal that we still have to today of, of them being like, we're just going to ramp it up to 11 and see what happens and then we'll sort it out. So I guess then is this movie realistic or unrealistic? Because it feels like it like tries to do both. Like on one hand, you might have these very realistic depictions of like what it's like to be, you know, kind of in a life or death scenario. These really complex like financial bonds, these like sneaking around, like the realism. Or is it like a care like a a blown up caricature? Because like it just tries to be both at all times. And it's just like, like, so if it's so realistic, it's like, sure, okay, maybe that's what the police do. But then it has a very unrealistic ending where, like, they, they basically just let him go. They're just like, yep, like, but he's just like, he, like, quips, and they're like, okay, guess we can't arrest you, you know? Like, there's just a lot of, like, yeah, it's, like, it's hard to tell if it's, like, making fun of something or if it's actually trying, like, is it trying to make fun of something, but it's adding a lot of serious stuff to weigh it down? Or is it trying to be a serious movie that has like a lot of strangely thrown in elements? I would say that it's a serious movie with some strange elements. <laughs> to, to be fair, again, like this is, uh, I would say, uh, a male fantasy movie for sure. <laughs> um, but definitely grounded within it, with, within itself. Um, like again, you, you know, I've... <laughs> Even being in the military, lots of guys I see watching one arm, you know, sorry, not one arm, what am I saying there? One man army. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. One man army movies, um, and just like, you know, watching guys get super hyped up about that kind of deal, especially going out, you know, going out there when that kind of stuff happens. But I mean, like, with Die Hard, like, it feels a little bit more real because, again, like, if you were to put anybody other, any other action star aside from Bruce Willis, who they were taking a gamble on, right? Um, I don't think anybody else would have taken it seriously. It would have been considered to be a character. Can you imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone running through there? Or Frank Sinatra. Or Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I would actually watch that, but I don't think I would. Actually, I could believe Frank Sinatra doing it with the quip. He's always very good on it. But I mean, like, can we imagine any of our, you know, steroid muscle-faced? you know, 80s action heroes being that kind of character, not having massive body counts and trying to deal with all of that. You know, I think John McClane being played by Bruce Willis was, you know, best that we could have it. I mean, he had a lot of success with Moonlight. He'd also had success with Death Becomes Her. And he had just done a movie re before that, which kind of showed his little action shops beforehand called Hudson Hawk, which was more of a comedy I action I think all those adventure. were after. Hudson Hawk was... Before Die, oh, okay. before Die Hard, yeah. Um, but it, because it was a comedy. It was a comedy right. adventure kind of with small bits of action. Um, that was because that, that was way before Bruno. If we all remember, Bruce Willis was uh, trying to pretend he was also a <laughs> trumpet player named Bruno. No. I don't know. I've never heard of that. I thought you were talking about the like, I just remember that he was allowed to make... Right. I was like, what does that have to do with this? But yes, uh, I think that... Again, um, with it being the 80s male power fantasy that it is, I think it is the closest that we would have to um, a, a hero character that the everyman could be compared to our uh, John Rambos and our, I can't even remember what Steven Seagal was in Under Siege. Uh, 
he was like a Navy captain, right? Yeah. No, he was he was a cook. I have not seen that movie, so I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so then, is it possible that like the nostalgia is responsible for a lot of like the people defending it, like best action movie ever? Because like if you're saying, yo, okay, it's like a male power fantasy, and the idea is that like anyone can see themselves as John McClane because like he just looks like a dude. So like I can understand that, but like it seems like a lot of the people who talk about Die Hard are people who like watched it as a kid, said themselves, someday if I was in this situation, I would do exactly this. And it kind of removes some of the objectivity about whether or not this is a good action movie because it's a lot of men talking very loudly about what a good action movie it is. Sure. I mean, I can't deny that there's definitely some nostalgia that some of us have all had. And we can always look back to several movies that we liked when we were kids and look at now. It could be terrible. But I mean, that, that could go for any movie that you could say that you have nostalgia towards, you know, where at the moment it seems really good. Now it seems like a problem. I mean, remember when Austin Powers was a really big deal? Watch it now. There's a lot of problems with Austin Powers movies if you think about it now. And I can remember when everyone was just dying to say lines from that movie. Still pretty fun. Right? <laughs> Still pretty fun, but I mean, is that yeah, nostalgia baby. talking Robert about? Robert defending Austin Powers. <laughs> Robert, is that the, the nostalgia talking about? Or, I don't think so. But, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, the, 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 I would say the nostalgia angle is more of a, uh, I would say it's a personal preference because we can all think about some movie that is nostalgic to us that others would say is a problem. I mean, even if we think now with the Marvel movies as they are right now, you know, Ten years from now, we'd be like, oh, yeah, those Marvel movies. Why did we ever like them? <laughs> Who really thought Spider-Man Far From Home was a great movie? Well, we'll, we'll save this episode and put it in a time capsule. They'll pull it out and they'll be like, these kids, man, they really knew. Fuck Spider-Man. Marvel age. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't know. We're about a time where we can uh, we can do best thing, worst thing. So um, as we get closer to unmasking, so let's uh, let's do it. Let's um, go around and see what we thought the the best thing and the worst thing were. We'll start with uh, Sammy. Oh man, Sorry. no, I'm not ready. Can you start with someone else? Sure, I'll start. Start with Maddie. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the best thing. Um, what's the limo driver's name? Like Argo. 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 Yeah. I think that's the best thing. Honestly, it's kind of the most realistic thing. Like, if I dropped some guy off and then he's calling me that, like, terroristing over, I also would stick around, right? Because he wouldn't just even know what to do. So I thought, like, <laughs> I thought their, like, relationship was, like, really wholesome and pure. Um, the worst thing, um, I'm just not over these bail bonds. I think it's so stupid. It's so, like, complex. It's not even that realistic. There's, like, a lot of, like, I was looking at, like, the finances. Like, it wouldn't even be really a good it's not even a good heist to like to do in the first place. So I think that really like lot, I just definitely glazed over at that part. Like, yep, money, money. Yeah, it's just money, you know? Yeah, why not? Yeah. It's just be money. Yeah. Bail bonds. Okay, are you ready? Bear bonds. Okay, I'm oh, ready. Bear <laughs> See, that's how little bail bonds are different. Right? <laughs> Those are very important. <laughs> 650 million bail bonds. <laughs> Okay, my best thing is also Argyle, but I don't think there's enough of him in the film. I totally would have loved more of it somehow. Um, I think the worst thing, I just can't get over that, like, armored car getting stuck on the fucking <laughs> stairs before it even gets to its destination after a very long shot of it just, like, slowly. Well, it's, like, driving fast, but it takes forever to get across the parking lot to these <laughs> stairs to get stuck and then blown up. And it's just, like, that was a waste of everyone's time. So, anyways. Yeah. Okay, Evan. Best thing, worst thing. Um, best thing, um, at least for me, 
was um, the really vulnerable time when uh, Reginald Van Johnson had to tell the story about um, the uh, gunshot, uh, gunshot against the, the kid and having mm. um, John and just having that being an extremely vulnerable moment in an action movie mm. um, and having that kind of semi-bonding moment. Um, Worst part about the movie, gas is 74 fucking cents a gallon. Ooh. Oh, ouch. What a time. Fuck that. No, fuck. That hurt. It being more than $4 a gallon. I watched it and I was like, 74 cents a gallon? It's the 80s, baby. Yeah, but what was the minimum wage? Yeah. Same as it is now. 74 cents an hour. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's unmask. Let's talk about how we really feel. And Evan, start us off. Uh, I love... I love Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Die Hard is a movie that I enjoy um, Christmas time. <laughs> I don't watch movies on Christmas because that's family time, nice. typically. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it is a movie that I still fight with my father about whether it is a Christmas movie or not. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. Uh, Maddie? I really like this movie. I thought I watched it. I thought it was great. I will say it's a little weird that like this Christmas thing comes up. I have my own views on that. But when I did watch it, immediately my friends turned to me, is this Christmas? Like it's like they've been dying to die harding to ask me the whole time. Um, but I actually really liked this movie. I thought for all the points that I've been mentioned, like thought it was great. Thought it like liked the liked all the points I asked about and said I didn't like. No, I was lying. Nice. Sammy. So as I said before, I, I hadn't seen this until like two years ago, and I was very against seeing it for a while because people are so passionate right. about it and it being a Christmas movie, blah, blah, blah. That being said, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I'm also a really big fan of weird action franchises that have way too many sequels. Um, talk to me about Fast and the Furious anytime. Oh. It's a horrible series, but I absolutely love it. <laughs> they went to so space. much. It was so great, though. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Oh, spoilers. Uh, Anyways, uh, but you know, it's a fun time. And if it's Christmas, it's Christmas. If it's not, it's not. I think that's up to interpretation. You know, who cares what you think? But anyways, (laughs) I like it. Okay. Chris? Yeah, I love this movie. I think this movie is basically perfect for what, like, it's a perfect, like, it's like Jaws, right? It's like, it does the thing it does. It does it better than most other things. Mm -hmm. I actually avoided it for a long time because I grew up in the 80s. I did not like action movies because, like, in my little child feminist brain, it was like, they're all going to be like Rambo, which I also hadn't seen and is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had this image of, like, the Rambo sequels, basically, or, like, the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. Um, so when I finally saw it, I was basically an adult, and I was like, oh, wait, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I object to the whole male fantasy thing. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can enjoy this movie and want to, you know excel in a situation the mm-hmm. same as, as John McLean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fair point. I apologize. <laughs> uh, I've only seen this a couple times like in my whole life. Uh, I think the first time was probably like in high school um, and I don't know if I've really watched it since then. Um, but the rewatch was fun. It's good. Um, I, I think I agree that it's like maybe a little longer than it's a it needs little to too be. Longer. Yeah. Um, That's a real argument. Yeah. But, um, but as it's opposed still, to our fake arguments. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's saved by like the, it's a like what a charismatic like full mm-hmm. cast I think like e, e, Ellis is like the only one you really don't like 
but mm-hmm. like at least he gets don't hurt, worry he right? does yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I find it wild though that you were saying that Bruce Willis was a risk when um, Alan Rickman had never been in films before like it's it, but he doesn't need to carry the movie I see it he doesn't yeah. really do much sense. he kind of yeah. sits in the chair most and, of the time and, and, I think, like, and I think how when, does he do it man when you have this this um, idea of an action movie in the 80s is hyper masculine yeah um, obviously like to us Bruce Willis is very manly but but he's not um He's not built mm-hmm. like he's not. Mm-hmm. He really his physique. He pretty looks lean, like he yeah. looks like a guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, right. and that was pretty unusual. So mm-hmm. people really didn't think they actually started to take his image off of the advertisement because mm-hmm. they oh. thought he was um, not selling mm-hmm. the movie. Versus so we see him today and be like that grizzled, right? everyday man, like, yeah. was a total badass. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't think he was unmanly no. in any right. way. It was today. a different, yeah. it was a different time. Yeah. Right, I need to apologize. I did not defend this fair enough. I mean, you kept calling him Ron, Reginald Van Johnson, and it's Bella Johnson. Bella. <laughs> I was also meaning, um, I forgot to bring up just the powerhouse of Alan Rickman yeah. and playing yeah. as Hans Gruber, one he of the most great. charismatic so villains that at points you're like, Actually, I don't care. You're like, I got yeah. the money. I, I, I was really like, let's just let him have it. Come my, on. my notes, I'm like, honestly, eat the rich. Good for them. <laughs> 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 a little Robin Hood story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a spoon. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I think mm-hmm. you, you heard it here, folks. It's a great movie. Christmas, maybe. Watch uh, it whenever you consensus. want. It, it, I think it's a Christmas. It movie. It takes place at Christmas, so I think if you want default. it to be a Christmas movie, it's a freaking Christmas movie. I think mm-hmm. it's your Christmas. You should watch whatever movies you want. Yeah. Think, yeah. yep. There you any go. movie you watch on Christmas is a Christmas. Movie. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk all about this in the extended book. I'm excited. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. more about I, Christmas well, I movies. I watched Cannibal Holocaust on Christmas. Good <laughs> 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 for you. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, everybody, we're going to keep talking on the extended play, um, which is over on our Patreon. So head over there and check it out if you're interested in that. Um, if you got thoughts on Die Hard, you can email us 24flamespod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on social media at 24flamespod. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, um, that's, that's pretty much, uh, it here. But, um, yeah, this, uh, episode was produced and hosted by me, Robert Bohorkas, co-hosted by Chris Pepper Hambrick. The panel's... This week, we're on the roasting panel, Maddie Von Hoff and Sammy Furman. And on the defense, Evan Christopher. Um, our show music is composed and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our network, Partyfish Media, is produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me, everybody. Um, so let me, ooh, let me double check um, what episode I will be back for next month. Um, it is The Big Short. Um, and so we're talking more eating the rich next time. <laughs> Um, and between now and then, there's a, a flame off hosted by Quasi, so be sure to stay tuned for that um, when we uh, roll roll that one out right after the new year. So, yeah, everybody. Um, thanks so much for listening. Happy holidays. We'll catch you next year. And uh, everyone be safe, and we'll, uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Other buckets. <laughs>
Partyfish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.